1 Corinthians chapter 9, if you have your Bibles. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, 24 through 27. Some of you are looking at me askance, like you're worried. Maybe you should be. I love this. It's amazing. It's fantastic. Because this text talks about the Christian life as a race. And you know how much I love to run. I'm going to try. I really am. It's difficult, but I'm going to try to not talk too much about my running. I mean, because I do that after races. And, and you know, it's amazing how a runner can, um, can run a 5K, three miles, and they can remember almost everything they did. I came to this one hill. It was the first one. And, man, it was really tough getting up that hill. It was a steep. And, you know, we can remember those things. And so after a race, I try to tell my wife about it, and she just puts her headphones on. She does not. Not really. I'm kidding. But, you know, people don't want to hear those things, and you don't want to hear those things. But there are some analogies to be made from running, and, and this text is an analogy. Okay? And we need to understand that it's an analogy. And any analogy that you take or that you use, you can take too far. So we've got to be careful when we look at this passage as an analogy and not take it too far. And I'll explain some of that again later. Um, so, but it's a beautiful analogy. And, of course, it also talks about boxing, and I'm not a boxer, okay? I'm, I'm not going to get in the ring with anybody and box because they're going to smack me all around, and that's not happening. I'm going to take off and run the 5K, and my might, you know, get out of their way. But I'm not going to box. It talks about it being a runner, bo- being a boxer, and it is an analogy about how we should live the Christian life and train for the Christian life. So if you have your Bibles, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, at verses 24 through 27, if you will, please stand. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Therefore, I run thus, not with uncertainty. Thus I fight, not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I preach to others, I myself should become disqualified. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the encouragement from your word. Thank you for the challenge from your word. And God, may we also run thus and box in such a way as we're not beating the air. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? I love today's modern races because there's generally a medal for every finisher. Okay, I love it. I do, you know, finisher medals. They're fantastic. Um, and, and that's honestly, there's, there's a few reasons why I run. I run, one, so that I can compete better in the races. By the way, I race so that I'll run. Okay, I run, another reason is because I want to be healthy. I, 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 I'm 60 years old, and one day I'm going to be 80, and, um, and I want to be healthy when I hit 80. Uh, and, and I want to be able to get up and move. My dad's 85 years old, and he probably walked 1,000 miles last year, okay? Six miles a day times 365, over 1,000, right? So uh, 
85 years old. I, I want to, in that way, I want to be like my dad. I want to be healthy. So I run in order to be able to compete in the races, and I run because I want to be healthy, okay? Um, but when I run the races, the races that we run, most of the time, most of the time, there are what they call finisher's medals. And sometimes there's trophies. Now, I don't care about the trophies, okay? Why? Because I don't have shelves for trophies. They take up too much space. But I can hang the finisher's medals on the wall, okay? And, and I can keep track of those. They're little. So nowadays, not just the first place one gets the prize, but when the Apostle Paul was writing, there were two games. Uh, there were the um, Isthmian games, which were, ho were hosted in Corinth. And so the Corinthian people understood this analogy, and they understood it very well. There are also the Olympic Games, and um, they understood that. Okay, so they they could see the picture of the runner. They could see the picture of the boxer. In fact, maybe since they were in Corinth, maybe they even saw some people that were training and that were running. So this picture is very um, concrete to them. It's very real to them. It's not just something that's in their head that they have to really think about to see. They probably saw the runners preparing for the races. They probably saw some of the runners in the races. And so when he talks about, do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives a prize, run in such a way that you may obtain it, he, they understood what it took to be an Isthmian or an Olympic runner. They understood how hard they trained. And so... But, but that's kind of the, um, where this analogy breaks down, right at the start. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Well, if we're talking about the Christian um, race, the, the run and the lifestyle that we live as Christians, well, guess what? Not only one receives the prize. Because if it did, the rest of us, I mean, after Paul finished preaching, we may as well give up, right? Because Paul's going to win the race better than any of us, okay? And, and, and I can say that about myself, and I feel like I can say it about most other people, because Paul was one of the greatest Christians and greatest Christian theologians of all time. And so if only one were to w win the race, then there's no reason for him to preach to anybody else. Okay? So as far as the race being saved, everybody who's trusted Christ, everybody who's professed Christ, everybody who follows Christ, they have won that prize. Okay? And then he talks about this one, and he says, run in such a way that you may obtain it. Um, I ran a, a, a race, and, and the, probably the races they're talking about here are not the long races. I mean, they had the marathons, but that may not be what he's talking about because in some of the um, versions, it talks about the runners in a stadium, okay? And you know that, that they would finish in the stadium, but most of the runners would run the shorter races in the stadium. And anybody here run track in high school, college, anybody? high school track. Well, my favorite race was the 100. It was a sprint, and it was over pretty quickly, okay? However, <laughs> when I was on the church track team, my coach got me to run the, it was then the 440, which is 440 yards, and that's the 400 meter. It's the quarter mile. And we would go to one of the local high schools, and we would practice. And we'd run around the track four or five, six times, you know, and just as much as we could and get ourselves in shape. And so we got to the track meet, and I looked at the guy next to me, and he was a star athlete and track runner at, at his small, small school. And I looked at him, and I said, I said, you set the pace, and I'll try to keep up. And he looked at me, and he said, the 440 is a sprint. And I said, I didn't know that. 
That's not right. I wouldn't have enrolled in this race or signed up for this race if I'd have known that. I would, I mean, and so I ran in such a way to win that race. And about 330 yards into it, I just almost couldn't go any further. I ran as hard and as fast as I could, and I thought I was going to either throw up or die at the end of the race. And I was hoping it would be die. I ran in such a way to win the race. The problem was I didn't train in such a way to win the race. And if I'd have known that the 440 was a sprint, I would have said to my RA leader, I would have said, no, David, I'm not running that. Leave me in the 50, the 100, and the 220, and I'll be okay. And I wonder sometimes if, as Christians, that's where we are. This is way further down in my notes than this. But I wonder sometimes if, um, if, if that's how we are as Christians. We, somebody, they make a profession of faith. And they think the race is over. I'm done. It's finished. I'm good. Everything's fine. I know now that when I die, I'm going to go to heaven. And guess what? The race is just beginning. You can't run the race in such a way to win if you look at the Christian life as the race is over once you trust Christ. You can't do that. It's not possible. Okay? And so, and so he says, run in such a way as to obtain that prize. Now, there's, there's a lot to that. Okay, there's so much to this, to run in such a way that you may obtain it. When I go out to run sometimes, I look at myself and I go, okay, today I'm going to run however far, and I'm going to run it at such and such a pace. And what I've learned is, as a runner, and I, I've learned it up here, but I haven't learned it down at the feet yet, okay, that one of the things you need to do is, in order to be a good runner, is you need to run longer distances at a slower pace. Because if you run that... At a slower pace, you can run longer distances. And if you try to run it faster, you're not going to be able to run as far. And if you're not running as far, you're not training as much. And it, so you get the picture. So sometimes I go out and I say, is this actually the fastest you can run at this moment in time? Is this the very fastest you can run at this moment in time? Sometimes I'll finish a race and I'll go, man, that guy in my age category, he beat me by 15 seconds. If I would have run seven seconds faster per mile, I could have gotten first place. I'm not running, and, and, and it's really frustrating for me when that happens because I know I probably could have done it. And I look at my Christian life, and I kind of wonder the same thing. How many times, how many times do I give in as a Christian to whatever desire it might be? And then I look back on that, and I think, I could have fought that. I could have won. I could have resisted doing that. I didn't have to say that. I didn't have to be that way. Run in such a way that you may obtain that prize. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate or self-controlled in all things. This idea, um, self-control as a Christian, um, is, is uh, you know, in, in the race, we must train. We've got to train. You know, if you're going to run, it doesn't matter what, what, what sport. We can go with, with any kind of sport. Um, anybody play baseball in school? I mean, on a team or something, you know? A, a, and and I, I, I couldn't play baseball because I couldn't hit a fastball. I couldn't hit a curveball. I couldn't hit a slider. A, a slow pitch I could hit, but nothing else, okay? But even then, I'm training I'm practicing. I'm practicing my running. I'm practicing running the bases. I'm practicing chasing the ball down in the outfield and throwing it in. And when I first started, 
I couldn't hit the side of a barn. Throwing a softball. But there came a time, I'm bragging now, when from center field, I could throw the softball on one bounce to the catcher who would then tag the runner out. Now, I did that because I trained with my big brother. And we would get up and we'd stand out in the middle of the street and make the cars drive around us. And he'd get down two or three houses around from us. They, were, they knew we were serious because we had the ball. <laughs> they weren't about, anyway. And he would stand two or three houses down from me, a couple of houses down, and, and we'd throw the ball as hard as we could at each other. And yes, I said at each other, not really to each other. See if we could burn each other out and whose, whose hand would turn red the fastest. And the idea was put my glove up and he would throw at it. And the further I had to move my glove, the worse off he was. And so we would practice our, tar our, our throwing that way. It doesn't matter what sport you're in, whether it's football, baseball, basketball, hockey, or that other football, soccer, doesn't matter, or running. Guess what? The more you practice at it, the better you're going to get, as long as you practice correctly. And it's the same thing in the Christian life. When, when, you, when you walk the aisle and you pray to receive Christ, you ask him to forgive you of your sins, and... Um, it, the race isn't over then. Now it's time to start practicing for the real race. The race that continues from that time until the time that our life is over. That's when the race really is. Okay? And so I, I, I love this whole picture. And, and, and as an athlete, it's not just the, the things that you do to train. It's not just the lifting of the weights or the throwing the ball or, or um, the tackling or the running or whatever. You, we do all of those things, but there's also certain things that we eat and certain things that we don't eat. How many of you love candy? Anybody love candy? Nobody loves candy. I love, see you're going to think I'm nuts, I love circus peanuts <laughs> and I love candy corn and there's one other orange one I love, orange slices. Okay? I love them. Absolutely. And so, and so, Micah didn't get all the ones you bought for him. <laughs> no, he really did. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I, I got my own. Kathy makes sure I get some. But, but if, you, if my house has those things in it all the time, I'm snacking. That bag of, of um, circus peanuts, that'll be gone in a couple days, okay? Because I love them. And I have to really, really, what's that word? Um, I really have to beat my body into subjection to keep from eating all of those things, Okay? I, I, because I know that, for one, all that sugar is not good for me. By the way, my Coca-Cola consumption has been cut more than in half, okay? Uh, my soda consumption, I need to be generic on that. My soda consumption has been caught, cut more than in half because of the sugar intake. So as an athlete, it's not just the physical training that we do as far as the, the, the lifting and the, the throwing and the running. There's also things that we need to do as far as proper diet, Okay? And then there's another thing that we do, and that's called rest. <laughs> there's another thing that most people do, and that's called rest. That's not really one of the things I'm very good at, okay? Um, my wife always tells me, not always, but often, um, God made a Sabbath for a reason. You got to get your rest. Um, when the sun is up, I want to be up. And when, it's, when the sun's, and by the way, that's why I like longer days, because I want to be up longer. To me, if I'm sleeping, I'm wasting time. But an athlete's got to rest. And as Christians, we're commanded also to rest. So we can look at all of these ideas and all of these things and see that there are parallels to the training of an athlete 
and the training as a Christian. So we look at this, and, and he says, he says, everyone who competes for the prize is tempered in all things. They're self-disciplined. An athlete's not going to overeat. They're not going to eat the wrong things. They're going to go out, and they're going to train. Um, I live in the country. I mean, I live in the country. Uh, there's probably 14 houses in our town. There might be 60 people there. There's almost as many dogs in Blackstone as there are people, okay? And so when I run, I just take off from the house, and I go south, and I'm on a gravel road almost. And so I have some friends who live in Decatur. That's where I grew up. And they're part of uh, what's called the Decatur Running Club. And I saw a post of one of them said, I went running today outside. It was a little chilly. And so I got on my weather app, and I looked, and I found out that in Decatur, it was 26 degrees, the wind was blowing about four miles an hour, and it felt like 23. Is that what it was? Something like that. And then I got on the app, and I went to Blackstone, and it was 23 degrees. The wind was blowing at 14 miles an hour from the north, and it felt like it was 11 degrees. And I thought, I could have gone running in Decatur. And there's two things coming from this story, and one of them is they went running with some friends. And if I'd had some friends that said, hey, Kurt, I'm going running, then I might have gone running in Blackstone or in Streeter. I don't have any of those. I'm, I'm the only, well, uh, let's just say that many of you question my sanity. Uh, I don't have running friends there, you know, that, that are willing to, and so I train most of the time alone. What it would be f to have somebody, and it's such a joy when my brother Daryl comes into town, and I say, did you bring your running gear? And he said, I did, let's go. And off we go, running three, four, five, six miles. So much fun, but most of the time, and, and we train together, and we push each other. Now, part of the problem with running together is, uh, one thing, he likes to talk. I know you think that's me, but he likes to talk, and I just want to run. I say, Daryl, stop talking and run, and he says, okay, and he just runs off and leaves me. And, and it's like, no, that's not what I meant. That's not what I meant. Slow down. Let me keep up. Um, and so it's fun to run with somebody and train with somebody. Most of the time, though, I'm training by myself. That takes this discipline that we're talking about to make myself go running. And so yesterday, it was, it was really not favorable weather for me to go running outside. And Kathy said, are you going to run today? And I said, I don't know kind of chilly, kind of cold, kind of windy. I've got the running gear, and I've got these new all-winter-long running shoes, but I don't know if I'll go out and run or not. And she said, what about on the treadmill? And I'm going, ugh. So I got on the treadmill, and I ran three miles. Not fast, but I ran them. And, and it took me beating my body into subjection and my mind in order to get on that treadmill. And it's the same for our Christian life. Sometimes, Sometimes in our Christian life, the things that we know we need to do or the things that we know we need not to do, we need to beat our body into subjection in order to do them in order not to do them. Same idea. And as far as training concern is concerned, if you are here Sunday morning for three hours, and if you come to the ladies' Bible study and the ladies' prayer meeting, I'm guessing about an hour and a half each, three more hours, six hours, or if you come to the men's and you come to the Sunday night one, about six hours a week, if you come on any of those given times and you're here with other people 
training, if you will, because that's what Sunday school does. It trains us. That's what worship does. It trains us. That's what your prayer meeting and your Bible study throughout the week do. They train us. Uh, they help us train as Christians. If you're here for those six hours, guess what? I think my math is correct. There are 162 more hours in the week that you're not training with somebody else. What that means is that you need to be training by yourself some of the time. By yourself some of the time. Uh, I believe that the ladies are doing a first John study. Is that correct? And the, the Monday morning one is about to finish and the Monday evening one is just now starting. And if I understand it correctly, there's a study that you do together. But before you do that, you've got some assignments that you do about 20 minutes to four hours a day, depending on how you study. Because uh, Kathy gets sidetracked. And she'll see a word and she'll want to do more. And she can't stop at 20 minutes. So anyway, there's a little bit that you're doing by yourself before you come together to do that study together. That trains you in both of those ways. That helps you train yourself by yourself and train with others to get a little bit more. And, and, and that's what that's about. The men's study that we're, that we're working on doing. Um, or the, well, the men's study that we're doing on Wednesday evening is kind of the same way. Okay. Um, uh, the 30, 33, the series. You come together, you read things, you've got some stuff to read throughout the week, and you come back together and you read, you do some more stuff together. The one that we're starting for Sunday nights, The Path to the Cross, kind of the same way. This one's different, though. We've got a video to watch, we've got some discussion to do, and then, and then throughout the week it has five devotions, okay? And they're about four or five pages each, might take more than 20 minutes, but you've got five devotions that you do on your own. So you study with your, uh, with your group together, you train with your group together, then you go home and you train by yourself, because you can't be with your Christian brothers and sisters for 168 hours a week. You train with them, and you train also by yourself. And so, um, and, and so those are some of the ways you train. And so he says, and everyone who competes for the prize is temperate, is disciplined, is self-controlled. You've got to be. And we look at this, and, 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 and it's, it is. It's difficult for me. To not eat that whole bag of circus peanuts all in one day. I have to discipline myself not to do that. In fact, you know what I do sometimes? I get everybody else in on my sin. <laughs> I say, the circus peanuts are on the table, help yourself. And so if they eat some of them, guess what? I don't eat as many of them. Okay? And, and, but I've got to make sure that I don't just eat all of them in one sitting. One, it's going to make me sick. Two, it's going to make me fat. I don't want to do that. Okay? So I try to be careful about those things. Um, the Christian life is not just those kind of things, though. There are some other things that we might be tempted by. All right? I'm not as, I'm not as tempted with eating. I mean, I love food. I love good food. Okay? And my wife is a good cook. But there are some other things that, that we might be tempted by that we need to know that we need to resist. We need to beat. And this is, this is not literal. Okay? Beat our body into subjection. I bring it into subjection. And the idea there is I make my body a slave to me. In other words, uh, instead of my body making me a slave to it. Okay? So if there's a desire, all right? Yesterday, Kathy was cooking bacon. Oh, man, I love bacon. <laughs> smells so good. How many pieces do you want? All of them. <laughs> but just make four. That'll be enough. I go to, to um, out to eat, and I want a, um, you'll know what restaurant it is, but I'm not going to say it. I, I get me a bacon, egg, and cheese croissant rich, okay? 
and I say, I want bacon, 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 and bacon. I want four times the bacon you normally put on there, okay, because I love bacon. But <laughs> we've got to discipline ourselves. And if I'm walking by something that smells so good and I know I shouldn't have it, guess what? I have to just keep walking. And I'm imagining that I'm imagining that many of you are the same way, right? So I have to be self-disciplined in all things. And there's all kinds of things, you know, that we can talk about. You think about all the things that the Apostle Paul mentioned before he talks about the fruit of the Spirit is. He talks about all those things that people do and, and, and live in and how they sin. And he said, and those people who do those things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And you can look at that list in 1 Corinthians, I think it's 6. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. He, and he gives a good news. And such were some of you. But you are washed, you are sanctified, you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. And so there are things that may tempt people that they need to go, no, not today. Not today, Satan. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring my body into subjection. I'm going to make my body, even though it wants to do these things, I'm going to make my body do the things that I know I should do. Even though it doesn't want to do these things that I should do, I'm going to make my body do the things that it needs to do. Okay? And the Apostle Paul, Romans chapter 6, 7, and 8, and I love that, that passage because I look at the Apostle Paul and we think, man, how perfect was he? But even then, in his Christian life, he said, I continually fight this battle. I fight this battle all the time because I am still tempted um, and to do the things that I don't want to do, the things that my body wants me to do that in my spirit I don't want to do, uh, Romans chapter 6, 7, and 8. And so he who competes for the prize is temperate in all things, self-disciplined. They make themselves do what they're supposed to do. Now they do it, those runners, those athletes, to obtain a perishable crown. You know what they gave them? They gave them probably a, a laurel leaf that they would put on their head. And you ever got a flower at a wedding, a real one? And you take it home, and pretty soon it's all dry and brittle, and you throw it away. That's the same thing that would happen with these crowns. They would perish. They would dry up. They would get all brittle, and they would crumble. And that, there it is. That was a great moment standing on the podium, but now everything I want is gone. Okay? He says, that's what they win, but we for an imperishable crown. We run this race as a Christian for an imperishable crown. And that's why it's important for us to note that this race isn't over when we profess Christ, that that's when it just begins. Therefore, he says, I run thus. Here's how I run, not with uncertainty. And here's how I fight, not as one who beats the air. But I discipline my body. There it is again. I discipline my body and bring it into subjection. I make my body my slave. I don't let my body make my spirit its slave. So that when I have preached to others, I myself may not become disqualified. So, and we got to talk about that, too, because some people think that that idea of being disqualified is the Apostle Paul talking about losing his salvation. And, and that's not really what he's talking about, um, because, well, turn to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, just the verse, first verse. Therefore, there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, to those who do not walk according to the flesh. Romans chapter 8. We can also go to John, John chapter 10. And I used to have all this memorized, but my sheep hear my voice, and they know me. 
and they follow me. And I know them and they follow me. And I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. So the Apostle Paul wasn't worried about losing his salvation in this text here. That's not what he was talking about. What he was talking about was the crown that he was going to win. He doesn't want to be disqualified as a preacher of the gospel, as one who would um, tell people that they're supposed to live one way and then him live the opposite way. You think about what Jesus did when he talked to the Pharisees. So, so many times he said, you guys are like whitewashed sepulchers. And he told the people, he said, he said do what they say to do, but don't do what they're doing. Okay? Uh, when he's talking about the, the scribes and the Pharisees. They tell you what to do, and they're right in what they tell you to do, but they don't do what they tell you to do. So do what they say, but don't do what they're doing. And the Apostle Paul didn't want to be that way. He didn't want to be one of them, okay? And he says, I don't want to be that way. I don't want to be the one that loses this crown or becomes disqualified. Um, you know, you think about it. You think about it. Um, there are, are a lot of people who, if you will, become disqualified from the ministry. Um, and most of the time, nowadays anyway, I don't know how it used to be, but the ones you hear about nowadays are, uh, there's two of them, and one of them has to do with finances, whether it's defrauding somebody else financially, stealing church money or whatever, and the other one is sexual immorality. And so, um, the apostle, and, but the one Paul is talking about probably here was the idea of eating meat that had been offered to idols. I mean, face it, if you like meat and you smell that meat being cooked, you're going to want to eat it. You're going to want to have some. And that was probably one of the biggest problems that the Corinthians had was the, the question they had, uh, should we eat this meat even though it's been sacrificed to idols? Because if we do and there's a, 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 a new believer there that thinks this is a sin, then we're going to bring them down. The Apostle Paul said, said um, I will never eat meat again if it causes another Christian to stumble or another person to stumble. And so that's probably the one he was talking about, um, the specifically that he was talking about. Um, but nowadays, you see those kind of things happen. The other two kind of things happen more than any other. And as pastors and as Christians, we need to bring our bodies into subjection. We need to make our bodies a, our slave so that we do what it's supposed to do. Now, and, it, and that we do what we're supposed to do. Now, I've got to go with a little bit more of this idea here with, um, with training. It doesn't matter what you talk about, what example you use, whether it's learning to do a new job, learning a new skill, whether it's, um, uh, whether, it's whether it's training for a race. When you first start out, you're not as good. And, and, and that's the way it is in the Christian life. When you first start out, there's probably going to be more difficulties probably going to be more problem resisting the, that sin and those temptations. When you go to lift weights, I know Rob lifts. I don't lift. I'm skinny and scrawny, and I want to run. I, I don't, you know, uh, my arms are not. But if I were to start lifting, it would take me a long time to build up to what some weightlifters have take me a long time same thing with running um you know I, I did i ran yesterday but it was the first time this year i mean and i, I haven't run s since last year until yesterday and and i'm kind of out of shape a little bit 
which is why I hesitated and which is also why I ran a little bit slower pace on the treadmill yesterday. And so we can look at this idea here, in this Christian analogy, this running analogy again in several ways. One, I ran a slower pace because I'm out of shape. Hopefully, as I continue to run a little bit more throughout the year, my pace can pick up and I can get faster and I can run further, okay? Because that's what runners do, right? Now, as Christians, hopefully those things, those sins that so easily entangle us, after we've given our life to Christ and we try, we work on putting our body, beating our body into subjection, bringing our bodies into subjection. That sin that used to get us so much, we have victory over that. And then, guess what? We're tempted again tomorrow or maybe even later that day and we have victory over that and we have victory over it again and again and again and again and we're getting stronger. We're able to resist that sin and that temptation a little bit more each time we resist. You know what's going to happen? Satan's going to hit you harder. That's just what's going to happen. He's going to say, I can't let this guy or gal get away. I've got to do something. And guess what? You may give in. And you're going you're gonna to feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And then you're going to say, but I'm not going to do it again. I'm not going to do it again. And you keep on and, and you build. But guess what? You may have lost some of that strength. Kind of like when you run and then you don't run, you lose some of that, okay? And then now you've got to build back up. Pretty soon, pretty soon, you keep beating your body and bringing your body into subjection and you've won victory over that. And it's no longer a temptation. And you don't have to worry about it as much. And so, so we need to, to realize that, that when we become a Christian, those things may be difficult. And we need to not beat ourselves up over it, but we need to be... Uh, to, to do what we can to bring our body into subjection so that we don't become disqualified. So what was he talking about here? Um, I want you to see that he pictured himself uh, as struggling against sin. Um, and he says in, in Philippians 3.8, he says, I account all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung that I may win Christ, if by any means I might attain him to the resurrection of the dead. And then, then one of the other things he was trying to do was he was trying to conquer the flesh. The flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. I've told you in times past that those who do these things, the uh, idolatry and witchcraft and hatred and, very, and, and, and um, wrath and strife and seditions, they shall not inherit the kingdom of God. And so what we've got to see is when you're in this race, you can't give up. Don't give up. Um, there has never been a race yet that I did not finish. That's, you know, there have been races where I started walking. Um, there have been races where I slowed my pace. But there's never been a race that I did not finish. And sometimes in the Christian life, we'll slow our pace. Sometimes we'll start walking but always finish. Paul was also, especially, he was, was um, what's what I'm looking for, convinced of his salvation. You know, we look at salvation sometimes and we think, I'm saved, that's good, and our salvation is done. The Apostle Paul, and in the scriptures we see that there was a point where, where we are saved, and then there's a point where we are being saved, and then upon our death, there's a point where we, you know, okay, we have been saved, we are being saved, and we will be saved, okay? And so the Apostle Paul wasn't doubting his own salvation. Uh, back in Romans again, chapter 8, 
Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And then we look back at that John one again. You know, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. And they shall, I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. He wasn't concerned about that. Um, he wasn't concerned about God being able to hold on to him. You see, that's the secret. If our salvation relied on us, we wouldn't be able to hold on to him. But he's able to hold on to us. And so we've got to understand that, that, that he can hold us and he can keep us. And the Apostle Paul wasn't worried about losing his salvation. He, he was possibly worried about, about maybe losing a reward, but not his salvation. He says, I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. He is able to keep what I've committed unto him against that day. What have I committed to him? Myself, my life, my soul, my eternity. And he's able to keep that. Um, and he was convinced that those who walk in the spirit um, and were committed to a struggle against sin were saved and given the absolute assurance of their, of their sin. And that's Romans chapter 8, uh, verses 1 through 17. I read part of that. And then he knew that he wasn't perfect. He knew that, um, that he had not already attained perfection. Philippians um, chapter 3, verse 12 through 14. Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I press. That, that idea and this idea of training that they're talking about here is, is the idea of, of putting forth uh, a crazy strong effort of striving to reach that goal. Um, of working hard to make that goal, to win that race. So, what is it all about? Well, why do we worry about all this? Why is it important that we understand that the race has just begun? Why is it important that we understand that the Christian life is a, is a life where we need to be training to live the way God calls us to live? Because God calls us to bear fruit. God calls us to bear fruit. I have a... Um, the, there's some apple trees next door in the, in the backyard next door to us and what's interesting is um, they're still bearing fruit nobody lives there anymore his mother and father have passed away and he lives in Bloomington and those apple trees are still bearing fruit the flowers still come out in the spring they're still pollinated, the apples still grow and every one of them falls to the ground nothing is ever done with them but even if they weren't bearing fruit, those trees would still be growing. They would still be growing. But why are they there? What is their purpose? Their purpose is to bear fruit. To bear fruit. And that's your purpose and that's my purpose is to bear fruit. And as we look into this coming year, you know, we have really been very blessed. We have at Irvine Avenue people who are committed, committed to Christ and committed to this church. People who are ready and willing to serve. People who love God 
and they love others, and they're ready to tell others about him. And so in this coming year, there's several things I want to do. And mostly it's training to live the life that Christ calls us to live and telling others about Jesus. And so what I want to challenge you to do today is I want to challenge you to make that commitment. And you may not be ready to make that commitment today, but I want to challenge you at least to pray about making that commitment, that you're going to do everything you can. By the way, I know some people can do more to train than others, all right? I look at other runners that are able to run six miles every day, and I just don't have the time for that. I wish I did, but I don't. And so I get it. I understand some people have other things going on and other commitments that they have to do, and that they can't come to every one of these meetings that we have. I get that. But I want to challenge you to come to the ones you can and be a part of the ones you can so that you can train with other members of your team if you want to go that way and also train by yourself. I also want to challenge you to think about somebody like I kind of did in the newsletter article. Think about somebody that you know that needs to know Jesus. Somebody that you're willing to pray for and somebody that you're willing to go to and tell them about Jesus. But that presents another problem. Another possible problem. Maybe, maybe you don't know how to tell them about Jesus. And so that's another area of training. Learning how to share the gospel. And so that's where I'm going this year. I mean, we look around and we see the, the budget's in good shape. People are doing lots of work around the church. And we still see 35 to 45 to 50 people. And the building here comfortably will hold seven in each pew and there's 20 pews. My math tells me that's 140. And I know that outside of these walls on any given Sunday, there's, I don't know what the number is, but if we have 10 churches in Streeter, and there are a few more than that, and there are an average of even 100, that's 1,000 people in church. Maybe there's 2,000 people in church every given Sunday in Streeter, Illinois. And we have, what, 14, 18,000 people? So there's a lot of people that need to know about Jesus and they need to make Sunday morning worship a part of their weekly routine. And you know them, or a lot of them. And you know that that's where they are and where they stand. And so I'm asking you to think about somebody like that, to pray to God about, God, who would, who would be the one person that I would invite to come to church, that I would pray for, that I would go out and minister to and share the gospel with the one person, the one. We have an average of 50 on any given Sunday now, and each one of us reaches one person. Then we'll double in one year, and we'll see this building almost full. So we're going to have a time of decision, a hymn of invitation, and I believe it's going to be 464, whiter than snow. And so I'm going to ask you, if you will, uh, to stand to take your hymnals, and I'm going to be down at the front, and it may be that you're not ready to make that commitment, that you just need to be where you are and pray. But it might be that you're ready. You're ready, one, maybe to give your life to Jesus because you've never done that, to profess Him as your Lord and Savior. It might be that you are ready to, got, uh, to say, Pastor and church, I've got somebody chosen. I know who I'm going to be praying for. So I'm going to be down here ready for any decision that you might need to make. Let's pray first. Father, thank you for your love and for your forgiveness. Thank you for your son, Jesus, who died for us. Father, help us to be ready to pray for others, 
to tell them about Jesus, to help them see that you love them and that you want them to follow you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.